1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Unspooled Top Top three. Three. I'm Amy Nicholson.
2: And I am Paul Shear, And this is our bonus Unspooled series where we sit down with great actors, writers, filmmakers to talk about three films that mean a lot to them. We've been talking about taking 100 films to space to save, to show the scope of the best in cinema. And we throw that to... Our guests, and we say, you know, what are your three films that you would want to save—the ones that affected you the most? They don't have to be the best, but they're important to you. And I can't uh, begin to tell you how excited I am to have our guest today. I mean, this is one of uh, my favorite actors. He's so fantastic. Uh, you know him from Out of Sight, Rescue Dawn, uh, War for the Planet of the Apes, Tremé, uh, Reality Bites, Reality Bites. Oh my gosh. I mean, good Lord Bird, he has been in so many great uh, films and television shows. Uh, Just one of my favorite actors, Steve Zahn, who is in a show right now. Amy, have you been watching any of White Lotus?
1: I am about to. That is my plan for this weekend is to start like buckling into my seat and getting ready.
2: Uh, If you don't know, White Lotus is a new Mike White show and Mike White uh, is, again, another one of my favorite directors who just is always uh, like, I feel like he and Noah Bombbeck both scratch itches. I don't know. I have in cinema where I'm like, Oh, I've never seen that kind of conversation done before. Like it, no. it feels so fresh to me. Uh, I when adore they do Michael.
1: I feel like he has x-ray glasses that uh, penetrate into the, the human soul.
0: Uh. And
1: the more he does that people are like, holy shit, Mike White is incredible. The more I'm like, yes, and please go back and watch the 2017 Ben Stiller film, Brad Status. The Uh, movie that I feel like only I have seen and love and I want everybody to watch it, written and directed by Mike White.
2: I 100% agree with you. I mean, and then if you don't know Mike White, uh, you would know these other things that he's been involved with. School of Rock, Enlightened. Uh, It is just... *Nacho and Buck, Nacho (laughs) Libra. So many great things. Uh, And this new show, White Lotus, is Fantastic! The cast is amazing. Uh, you have Jennifer Coolidge and Molly Shannon and Connie Britton. Uh, so many great people in it, and uh, Steve. And I love Steve's character in this. Um, but without any further ado, let's welcome Steve to the show. Steve, I love White Lotus. I mean, it really has everything. It's a thriller. It's a comedy. It has these moments in it that just that just shake you. I mean, to your soul, because like, oh, it's so uncomfortable. Uh, and I can't wait for more of them to come out. I've only seen the first two, but what's been your experience, you know, shooting it and then actually being in it? Because I feel like I'm I'm at the edge of my seat, like I'm watching, you know, like an action movie.
3: Yeah, it's really, it's, it's very cringy. It's very, it's, it, look, I, I was, I did the thing, and when they sent me, they would send me like two, and I watched the first two, and I watched it like I wasn't in it. I'm like, right. oh, it's like Mike, this is amazing. Can yeah. you send three, four? No, not yet. I'm like, oh my gosh. When you're doing, you know, when you're on a great gig, you know it's special and you know it's going to be quality or whatever. But it, it's another thing when you when you watch it and it's it, it it's beyond what you know. I wasn't yeah. hanging out on everybody else's scenes when they were right, shooting. Right, right. It was in my world. So I, I, it's one of the better things I, I, I've i been a part of. I'm really excited about it. It's really good.
1: <laughs> Mike White is one of my favorite brains. So I love just anything that comes out of his mind. Like, what is it like being around his brain in person as an actor? Like, what, what can you tell about the way that his mind works? He's a He's a master
3: at this craft. And I can't say that about many people. I mean he but he's so humble and funny and easygoing that puts you at ease his directing is as good as his writing and his writing is as good as it gets he's very simple he's he you know his direction is three words not six paragraphs Right, and it's it's always and and you can tell like I've worked with directors before where you go like oh, this director really wants me to be here. It wasn't like I was part of a a, you know there was a bunch of names and people were fighting for different you know right. You really feel valued with Mike. You really feel valued and necessary when you work with Steven Soderbergh or Richard Linklater, but like Fred and I. Because of the situation we were in, this bubble, right? Fred would come to my room, and we would rehearse our scenes because we do so many scenes together. We were we would rehearse them like we were doing a play. And Mike, kind of in a weird way, if you, I mean, there's scenes that are five minutes long, yeah. you know. It's kind of written like a play. And Fred and I would work on these. We were like we were we had so many opinions. We were like, no, this is the way. We'd go shoot it, and Mike would just make a couple tweaks and. Fred and I would play it a completely opposite way that that we had worked on it for the past month. It was really a, a, a fun gig. And I I think what I love
2: about it, too, is it's adult, right? It's like there's so few things that feel like this is like it feels like like these 70s films. I just watched the uh, Long Goodbye the other day, like the Robert Altman, uh, Elliot Gould movie. And it's like and it's like, oh, this is like an adult. Like there's just like this is for adults, about adults. And I think that there's such great stuff in here. But like the cringe stuff to me is always like not cringy and like, oh, I'm grossed out, but cringy and like the uncomfortable moments and conversations there. Like I imagine that in doing those scenes too, you have to not overdo it either because it feels like the, like the moments are being captured. They're there. You don't want to like make it seem too sketch, right? Cause it feels so real. And when that's when you're watching it, I think you, you recognize those moments. I mean, that's at least how I feel when I watch it.
3: Yeah. Mike was just, he was just like, I just want you to be real. Just be real. I don't care if you say the exact words, just just make it real. With the script that great the tone is there you everybody knows what they're doing there's no conversations about like well I don't know if my guys like this or that you know what road you're on you I know what road Connie's on I yeah. know what road Jake is on and I, <laughs> And then it's fun, man. Then you can explore like dinner scenes. Oh my God, dinner scenes suck, right? right. Sitting in a dinner scene. Oh my God, we're going to be doing this for 12 hours. Jeez, yeah. Those dinner scenes were so much fun because they were just, you know, we, we could explore and we, It was the subtleties in those things. It was just really fun.
2: I, I love it. And I know that you made a lot of uh, headlines, obviously, because there's a part of you that was seen that's not your part. Right. Your your you're there is a there was, there's was a very there's a penis out and about. Uh, but it was I read that. It's, <laughs> but it was not it was a stunt penis. And it was a stu- was it a whole fully stunt person or was it just a stunt prosthetic junk. stunt junk? Got it.
3: Yeah, it was a fake Johnson it was a prosthetic <laughs> Johnson on
2: somebody else. We on, on Black Monday we brought in a guy just to be a penis double and was hanging out with us and it was the weirdest thing because he's keeping himself at a level to be on camera and and but also just shooting the it's shit off. you know and and then Hold but, on hold on <laughs>
3: All
2: right, you know what were you saying? <laughs> and, just, <laughs> and just to be brought in for that in the same costume as one of our main characters, to be shot from the waist <laughs> its it was one of the, uh, <laughs> uh, the most insane days. And I was like,
1: like, how does somebody like that get cast? Do they beat out other people for the part?
2: I think there's a there's a there's an avenue that you go down where people may want to do that and, and jump into that world. And uh, the person that we did ask to do that did ask uh, us if we could uh, if he could crash at our house because he needed to he just he didn't have a place to stay that night. So that was uh, that was a an interesting moment. You know, just talking about this, like realism White Lotus is not gritty in the way it looks, but it is like, I feel like it gets to these relationships that are a little bit more uncomfortable and, and real. I wanted to talk about these movies that you wanted to blast off into, into outer space to save the, 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 the best movies, the movies that you love the most. And Amy, uh, why don't you bring us into uh, you maybe set the, the stage a little bit.
1: I will. I will. And um, I think the first thing I want to ask is like, when you send us your list of movies, I suddenly felt like, aha, I have a real insight into your soul. You pick three movies. They all come out in the span of five years. You weren't really conscious for these years. You were like a baby when they start coming out. These movies are all from like 1968 to 1973. And I want to ask just as like an opening question, how did you get into like the movies of the late, like 60s and 70s? Like When when in your life were you introduced to them?
3: i think I, I was pretty young, you know i mean I, I i was kind of an interesting kid, I mean, a big history buff, you know, I remember watching like these epic westerns with my dad, you know, I remember going to the theater to to see midway you know he worked he worked on a university on Friday nights. he'd bring home a projector and we'd watch laurel and Hardy movies. oh, wow. that was on Friday nights It was it was, so and and these are movies that. This is before I knew the strings attached. Mm-hmm. These are the stories where I believed it, where, where I did, I, I, the trick worked. Right. And in yeah. movies now, you know, it's, it spoils it somewhat when you're as an, as somebody, you know, the more experienced you get, uh, you know, the more I want to pick up a book and read. So if they watch a movie, it's like listening to an album, you know? Yeah. I want to watch once upon a time
1: in the West. Once Upon a Time in the West, it is one of the epic Spaghetti Westerns directed by Sergio Leone. It comes out in 1968 and it stars and man we have talked about with great rapture in here as America's hero, Henry Fonda. You know, we of course from Twelve Angry Men, Grapes of Wrath. Here being the villain, who is trying to dominate all of the water rights in a small, small, small town, and thus must battle Charles Bronson and Jason Robards and Claudia Cardinale, and he must do it all to a score by Ennio Morricone. And all the roses fall. What is it about that movie? Yeah. Why is that
3: movie on your list? Brilliant movie. I mean, it's it, it's the script had to be like twenty pages long. You know, <laughs> I, I I think Sergio Leone it, 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 he's like a he's a master at like which is strange. This is Italian guy who's a master at telling at, at, at telling the American myth. You know? Yeah. The this, this story that's retold over and over again, why do we like westerns? Why does the world like westerns? You know it's the same story, basically and he, he i mean he, he constructs it like a like he's doing an opera. I mean, every character has their own their own s- score you know and it every shot it's either it's either these epic just takes all day to figure out how to do it like that there's a shot in there that pans where she comes you know she comes to the the, at the beginning of the movie she arrives at the station and it kind of goes and then there's no one there to pick her up and then and then she goes through the building and she walks out and then the camera goes up and you go above the above the building and it just reveals this town being built by you know there's there's like 500 people and horses and I'm like talk about now we just go just shoot a bunch of stuff and we'll figure it out in post and it will you all know? be
2: CGI too right it will just be like we can build out a giant city and and you're right there's something like really like real about this I th- I feel like that all the time like when you see actual buildings real puppets or you know creatures that you can, can identify with not just like these big CGI things that just feel. Uh, so wide and so vast, and and not you know they, you, you this seems like just giant crowd scenes. But I will say that this is an interesting movie because Leone kind of effectively retires from making westerns, and then is kind of pulled back in to make this. So I feel like in a way this is his swan song to do everything. Like there had to be a reason for him to come back, you know, besides just the money. Uh, but yeah, I, I feel like this movie definitely feels like what you're saying this opera that's very different than the spaghetti Westerns, I think that most people recognize him for, right? right.
3: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's extreme. I mean, it's very different. Yeah. I mean, just the first 10 minutes of that movie is just brilliant. I mean, it's just brilliant. There's not yeah. a, there's not a word spoken. There's one guy that talks. And he's like the old guy. That'll be me in like 25 <laughs> years. going like, <laughs> You know, and, and, and everything is like, everything is dubbed. It's all looped. The whole movie is another insane thing. Well,
2: now, I guess the other thing about it too is like this movie is a flop when it comes out. And and you know, and then it kind of grows back. We always are talking about this, and we can't quite figure it out and wonder to know if you have any opinions on this as well. Like, what do you think it is where a movie like this is not getting recognized in the moment? Is it just because it's ahead of its time or people were they had their own preconceived notions? But this is one that's really interesting because you feel like, oh, we're gonna go see a Search of the Leone movie. Here we go. We're, but it just, it. I mean, it's long. But I don't think that that's the reason why it falls. I don't think that's the reason why it's a a flop that's when a it comes great, out.
3: Yeah, it's very, it's it's very interesting how I, well if something comes out and it's new and we need to say something about it right now. And there's no, you know, we're gonna review this in three years once it's <laughs> and everybody's, yeah. you know, I don't know if it's that weak. <laughs> Yeah. You know, if it's compared to something else that came out that we're not even thinking about a month before
1: or, you know, there's a political thing going on. I don't know. I think that does happen all the time. As a critic, I feel like I see that happen all the time. Like one movie comes out that's vaguely similar to another movie in the course of one summer. And you're like, I'm so sick of this cliche. And the second film never gets the fair shake. We talked about this earlier on, on this first season of the show, but. When The Wizard of Oz came out, everybody just thought it was a Snow White and the Seven Dwarves clone. And like, we'd never think of that today. But at the time, every critic was grumbling about it. Like, you got your little things and you got people singing. And it was just, to them, the same movie. It was just a ripoff.
3: Yeah. It's like, it's like in more recent, like, you know, Saving Private Ryan comes out. And then, and then, and then, you know, A Thin Red Lion comes out. Right, and it's like oh yeah, yet another World War ii and Thin Red Line (laughs) is, a, I think a brilliant movie. I mean, I love that.
2: Oh, it's yeah, it's. I think the people who raise it up are the people who, or the reason why it gets raised up is because it's always good, and then you get people who can, I don't know, just watch it and be true fans of it with like maybe I don't even know how to say it, like the context of the moment. Is really just a difficult thing to predict. I mean, we talked about this with. I love that movie, uh, that Tom Cruise movie that came out, like uh, Live Die Repeat, which is like this his Groundhog Day in a in a futuristic world. It's got like ninety eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes, but then no one saw it, and then all of a sudden, right. you know, it's like, oh no, everyone loves this movie. But it's like it's weird what I guess preconceived notions can do, or the way that you go in. It, it's a, it it I've been in good things that have flopped and I've been in bad things that have done good. So it's yeah, you never there's no there's no alchemy.
3: I mean, I just saw a thing like uh, it, it was like Saving Silverman. Like hand yeah. in in rotten tomatoes it's like, you know, the trash can with the crap coming out of it. <laughs> and yet I get recognized by that movie more than anything. And people are going like, "Oh, I love that movie. It's so funny." <laughs> they're like you know, it was a big flop. That thing you do, big flop. I mean, it didn't do well. It wasn't number one movie of the weekend, right? I don't but, even know which one was, but you but know, there you great. are, like, and then
2: but then you see, like, in during the pandemic, like you know, like p- people, like I felt like that movie in a real big way, like that thing you do really has had this like real renaissance to it. I feel like people have found it. I think that that's maybe the cool thing about film, and and we're talking about this idea of like. Making sure that you go backwards and find things and, and look at things. Because it may be the movie that you fall in love with that isn't the most popular one. It isn't the, it isn't the Citizen Kane or The Godfather. And, and I feel like that's when you find those movies, it's so exciting. Because it feels like you found a new
0: movie. You like to watch new stuff, right?
3: There are new episodes out every Thursday, so subscribe, please, and listen wherever you get your podcasts.
1: But I think that this, like, leads really well to our next film, Jeremiah Johnson, because, well, first, Jeremiah Johnson. Uh, This is a movie that I think is known right now at this moment in popular culture as a meme, it's just known as a meme as that picture right. of like a guy looking over his shoulder. Like, Redford, you know, yeah. But yeah, like, but like he's Bigfoot.
2: Jeremiah Johnson is a 1972 American Western film directed by Sidney Pollock and starring Robert Redford as a title character uh, and Will Gear as Bearclaw. Uh, it is based partly on the life of the legendary mountain man, John Jeremiah Johnson recounted in Raymond Thorpe and Robert Bunker's book Crow Killer, the saga of the liver-eating Johnson and Vardis Fisher's novel, Mountain Man. Uh, the tagline, a man of peace driven wild.
3: I ain't seen a live man in, in two months.
0: I am Claw Chris Lapp, blood kin
3: to the grizzer that bit Jim Bridger's ass. You are molesting my hunt. I, am, am I? I know who you are. you're the same dumb pilgrim I've been hearing for twenty days and smelling for three
1: for people who only know this movie as a meme, what is this movie? How different is it from this meme? Does this meme capture anything essential about this film I think it's a, it's not a perfect movie by any means you know right but i and I think
3: one of the reasons I love it so much is i I, I remember hearing after i i loved that movie but how hard it was to make. It took forever. No one would do it. Right. And maybe at the time it was like, Oh, those are out now. You know, we don't want to see a guy in the woods anymore, you know, and then ended up shooting it on his own property. And, you know, I actually heard the story from a friend of mine who knew Redford and asked him about it. And he said that the movie came out, I'm kind of sidetracking, but the, the movie came out and it was just like, you know, whatever. And then like a year later, friends of his that were up up like Massachusetts called him and said, Hey, we love your movie. And he was like, what do you mean you love my movie? He was like, we just saw it. Jeremiah Johnson. It's great. It's like, well, how'd you see it? And apparently a print was at like a theater, like a small theater. And they just played it. And people started liking. He was like, I want the number. And he called the place and he was like, are you showing my movies? like, yeah, it's a big hit. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And it was like a year later. And that's, I, I mean, I got a good source. I, I love that. And I, I was
2: thinking about this movie with The Revenant. Like, you know, it's like they're very similar films. I, I think that uh, J- uh, Jeremiah Johnson is, is well, I don't want to say better, but there it's, there's a lot of similarities that are really interesting about like wanting to make this movie going out the very solid, there's a lot of solitude to it, but it, it's if you like the Revenant, I think you should definitely watch Jeremiah Johnson. If, if the, uh...
3: I think it's a little more poetic. It's a little more, um, you know, mythical. um, Yes. Jeremiah Johnson. Right. That that, I like that about, and, and I, I like things that, that slow down and, and where, you know, the environment is, is as much of a character as anything like, you know, never cry wolf. What a great movie. That's kind of similar in a weird way, you know, yeah um that's a great one for kids by the way i remember when i showed that movie they were just freaked i gotta Um, i gotta
1: well it also makes me think i mean speaking about movies where like nature is a character it makes me think of you and making rescue dawn you know a film that's all about like men and wilderness and survival and and survival and you know the jungle's evil and how do
3: we how do we how do we get out of a prison camp but then after that how do how do we survive the, the real prison, which is this jungle. It's, right. it's, no, that's why I I, I love uh, this movie I did um, a couple of years ago called Cowboys. It was up in Montana and it was, you know, me and my kid on a horseback to, you know, running away from the FBI.
2: Oh, I got to check that out.
3: I Now I was going to say like,
2: you know, talking about like how the terrain plays a big part uh, in this movie, I just want to bring it back to White Lotus for one second and be like, what is it like, to shoot in a place that is a resort that is made for relaxation, right? I think a lot of the times, you know, we're seeing all these amazing places and films and very, you know, and when you go to a resort, like, are you able to, is that a tricky thing? Cause it, did your body just connect to, I need to relax now. I'm in a nice hotel. I'm in this thing. Yeah. Or like, cause I imagine there must be a little bit of a, a there's a push pull there, I guess. Right.
3: Cause you're not used to it. like yeah, totally. you know, <laughs> but It was closed. Okay. So, it's like you're there going like, well, I'm going to be eating mm-hmm for the next two months. Like, and then you're getting boxed lunches brought in. And, okay. you know, and this is canned fruit. We're in Hawaii. <laughs> What's going on? You know, and then after you stay somewhere for more than like two weeks, you, you go, you know, you you go into your suite. And if you're just spending a week there, you're like, mm, look at this couch. <laughs> right. and, but if you were given that couch, you would go, well, this is going to Goodwill. Right.
2: Oh, <laughs> it is true. It, like every hotel room yeah. looks so amazing until you were like, by day four, you're like, okay, this chair That's is like not
3: comfortable. Why right am I? Yeah. Side, you inherited her couch. Like, I don't want that shit.
2: <laughs> I just want to be able to watch TV without seeing Mario Lopez pop on, telling me all the new movies that are on pay-per-view. I just like, like the, uh, let's move into our last movie, which is one of my favorites too, uh, which is The Last Detail.
1: The Last Detail. It is a 1973 movie that is written by Robert Towne right before he did Chinatown, and it is directed by the one and only Hal Ashby. It is about three sailors, Jack Nicholson, Otis Young, and Randy Quaid. Jack Nicholson and Otis Young have been tasked to take young Randy Quaid, who is only 18 years old, to prison, and if they don't take him across to be locked up into the brig for eight years, they themselves will be kicked out of the Navy. So they decide on this road trip to eight years of imprisonment, they're going to show this 18-year-old kid the time of his life. And the movie definitely looks like three guys having the time of their life as they start to chafe against the constrictions of the military.
0: The law says I have to serve him and says I can't well, I'll tell you, serve you what him. you better do, Mr. Citizen Bartender. You take your beers and ram them up your ass sideways.
2: Whoa there, sunshine. We're going, so you can take your hand off that horse cock you got stashed under the bar. Now this movie, I imagine. Well, I mean, when did you see this? Like, how did this movie come into your life?
3: I think I saw this. I don't know when I saw this, but it was it was it wasn't early. It okay. was later. I kind of discovered it. It's, okay. maybe it was like browsing through like Blockbuster, right thing. Hmm. You know, and it just blew my brains. I mean, I was like, as an actor, watching this, going. Oh my God! They had so much fun. Why can't we do this now? Why can't we just set up a camera in in a room? Why why do we have to cover? Right. Two people right. in a shot, like drunk in a hotel room doing semaphore, like you know, in front of a TV. Hey man, you're in front of the TV. <laughs> that was so yeah. real and so so tangible, and that drunk scene in the in the parking lot where they're trying to figure out if they're getting is like. They are truly like drunk. Randy Quaid is drunk. Well, I feel like
2: this this movie, like, and that's like the kind of the stuff that I love, and, you know. And I think there's moments when you see movies in 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 this era where it seems like. You're doing it, but you're not actually creating anything good. But this is a movie where I feel like, okay, they're 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 pushing the limits. Like the I, I always knew that this movie was supposed to be a very dirty movie. When you watch it now, it doesn't even register really as dirty. But it was like the most curses of all time when it was released, and you know. <laughs> but it seems like these are like bad. Like this is like there's a sense that also these are wild guys, right? It's like, this is Jack Nicholson. This is like, you see like Randy Quaid is kind of an, I think at this point, not known.
3: Robert Town wrote it. So it's not like just, they just turn the camera on and let him get drunk. It, it's, it's a beautifully written sh- sh- script. It follows yeah. three people, you know, it's very kind of a micro, you know, and and yet it says something greater about that our, our time, you know, post Vietnam, you know, like, No one wanted to join the army. It was just kind of like a, you know, and it really represents that well. Like this kind of like, uh, it's so funny to me. I laughed so hard watching that movie. Um,
1: I mean, that really left out to me that I feel like your three picks are all movies about people fighting over what the soul of America should be. You know, like you're two Westerns of people figuring out like where where do loyalties lie in this world or what is the right thing to do in a country that's really lawless? And then Last Detail comes out in a world with laws that people are wondering whether or not they should obey, like a structure that makes no sense to them
2: anymore. These movies seem to be more present at a time when people I think we're, we're also right now in a, in a time where I think people are questioning a lot of things about how we want to live, how we want to, you know, how we want to be. And we I don't think go this deep that much. You know, I mean, if you get in more like smaller films and, and I guess these films feel so big, like the budgets were big and they were conquering like or they were talking about big issues. And I, that's at least what I feel like sometimes when I watch these movies from something's like, wow, you could make a big budget movie that actually has some like real introspective qualities and talks about things that don't really have an answer. And it's not really like beautifully wrapped up, but it's, it made you think as long as well as enjoying the film. And I feel like that's such a, sometimes a rare thing that, you know.
3: You know, if you don't adhere to characters and you don't feel anything, I don't care how slick and how, how thought out your film is. It just doesn't resonate as much, at least with me. And so right. as an actor, that's, that's the one thing Whether I'm in some crazy comedy where something's you know, completely opposite to that. Where how can I be vulnerable here? How can yeah. how can I let people in? You know, and and you know, those are the movies that work. And that's the first thing that has to happen. Then then concentrate on the other. I, I you gotta let me just like read off. I just yeah just, please. You know, I was mowing. Yeah. I was mowing and thinking about <laughs> yesterday, thinking about what were the other movies and I was like, tender mercies. Oh, wow. That's great. Yeah. The Godfather. American movie.
2: I'm so glad you bring up American movie. American movie to me, I, oh, it's amazing. All That Jazz and a Graduate. Those are my other ones. We just talked about All That Jazz on mm-hmm. another one of these episodes. One of our uh, One of it's our guys. directors
3: of all time, Robert. Was,
2: yeah. Awesome. American movie to me is really interesting because it's a documentary about someone making a movie and. There's so much about that again about like this um, this idea of like entrepreneurship crea- creativity like this want this desire like there is something where yes it's a very funny movie but also at the core of it at the root of it it is about like creation and passion and like uniting this town even though the you know a uh, coven is such a bizarre <laughs> bizarre package to put it all in there is something about it that feels so uh I know, inspirational, you know, and I, and I, that that movie. If you've not seen it, you have to, yeah, check oh, out. It's record. so
3: beautiful. It's so moving. Where you don't even expect it. It's yeah. so, it's so funny. Oh my god! And it, and it just represents that God just like perseverance and like ah, and and they're real people, you know. Yeah, these are real character.
2: I, uh, I love that.
3: It's a, great, it's a great film.
1: Is it fair to say that of your your the three picks that you presented here, that these are all movies you could imagine yourself being in, that you'd want yeah. to play a part in. I mean, is that a thing you do when you watch movies? You do you think, like, who would I want to play or how would I play that? Yeah. And that's odd.
3: You know, as a kid, as a, as a, I'm a huge history buff. Like, I, you know, I'm the guy that buys the book and goes in the battlefield and sits on the rock <laughs> and, and, and sits there all day, reads the whole book. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Oh, that was right there. I'm that guy. I, you know, I live on a farm. I, you know, I take care of my horses and goats and, and, you know, and yet I, I'm kind of thought of, you know, in a weird way as this kind of comedic, you know, kind of crazy, you know, pothead, you know, for years. And it was just, I was always kind of amazed by that. Like, Oh, wow. Oh. Um oh, that guy. And and really <laughs> how I see myself is is playing, you know, in, in Tender Mercies or in Jeremiah Johnson or like, you know, you know, those yeah. are those make me
2: well I mean, you know, it's so funny how we all view ourselves because it's like I feel like you have one of the best careers because it really spans so many different. Like, there are very broad comedies, they are amazing dramas, there are like these great character pieces. Like everything that you do seems very thought out and and kind of wonderful. But I think it is that idea too, where it's like, like how do you challenge yourself not to do the same thing over and over again? Like you were talking about Saving Silverman, you could probably just be like, oh, I'm going to do. You could there's a world in which you just did only like these like tentpole big comedies, and you're like, and there and you see people like that just kind of go off there, but. It's like, you've always tried these different things. And I don't know, it's like, I I think it's the reason why. And that whole cast of White Lotus, too, is like some people known for some very big, funny things, but also can bring the drama in these moments. It it makes it I think that's what makes that show actually so engaging uh, is is the casting of it. It's really, really.
3: I agree. I mean, Jennifer is
2: Jennifer. Yeah.
3: She's, I mean, she's phenomenal on
2: the show. You know, I love, Mo- I love Connie and, and Molly Shannon and, and Natasha. Like, they're so, so they're all so,
3: so yeah, good. Yeah, Natasha's brilliant. Everybody's just great.
1: Uh, thanks again to Steve for being here. That was a great list and a great conversation. <sighs>